and welcome along again to Good Darts. It's brought to you by our friends at Low Six. It's the podcast that's all about darts. The quality cannot be guaranteed. We had a lot of young lads on the show. Like we had Dimitri Vandenberg, Luke Humphreys, both world youth champions. This week we're addressing the balance. We've got a bit of a veteran on. It's the demolition man, Darren Webster, a two-time winner of PDC titles. Uh, this time next week, of course, we'll be in Milton Keynes again for the resumption of the Premier League. We've added more experts to our panel to help make your selections. Uh, for who wins there on the opening night. And I did promise you last week we'd have Wayne Mardle, but I haven't delivered. I do have his picks later for the Premier League, though. And we've got another standing co-host for you. And I've over-delivered, if anything. Uh, what a standing this is. Wayne, Sky Sports colleague, uh, the leading light in this sport for a whole continent. He's an entrepreneur as well, darts player, pundit, cryptocurrency expert, brand and lifestyle icon, an all-round nice guy. It's the great chunk of South African beef that is Devon Peterson. Devon, welcome along. Have I missed anything out there? <laughs> no, I was. That is some some lead. That is some introduction. I love that. I think I'm gonna use that as my Twitter bio as well. All of those things. <laughs> that was really good. That's really good. I'm Thanks, I'm man. I'm pleased to be on your show. And then yeah, I've had listener as well. And you you got some great content going. And I think that I'm I'm hoping to to contribute to that. Oh. Devon, stop it, you. Look, there's loads been announced lately, actually. Everything keeps changing and things keep being announced. We, it's difficult to even keep track of it. But we have got the Premier League coming up. You're going to be there, aren't you? Because you'll be commentating for Sky. Are you there for the whole lot? Because we've got that first sort of six days and then we'll be back there and potentially going all the way to finals night. No, I'm just doing a few nights. Uh, first, I think I'm doing a few nights the first lot and then the second lot I'm doing the one of the opening nights of the second kind of the playoff side so yeah i'm just doing a little bit i think uh what sky's kind of done is he's kept the the core of the player the people that all the commentators and pundits that were going to be involved so i'm just kind of an add-on just kind of adding a bit of sparkle to the evening if you must call it that yeah but sparkle. <laughs> i like it Dev. How, do, how does the commentary fit in because obviously you're you're a darts player who's, who's playing i think probably the best stuff you've ever played at the minute you're playing some incredible stuff but the commentary thing, it's been kind of a new thing over the last... When was your first gig? Was it the match play last year? That's correct, yeah. And, and like you say, I mean, the commentary, I mean, how does it slot in? And for me, it's it's kind of given me an insight into my into my game and as well as my competitors as well. as And me commentating on them, looking at their past results, us discussing it as uh, on a panel um, of commentators and, and then just looking at what the outcomes will be. It, it kind of gives me a, a deeper in-look uh, or input into my game. And I think that that's helped me, obviously, transcend my game to, uh, to another level. So, yeah, I think the commentary, even though it's it's an amazing um, it's an amazing add on to what Devin Peterson is already, but it just it just kind of broadens my my competitive edge, if you must call it that. There we go. It's only taken what uh, two three minutes, and Devin Peterson has already referred to himself in the third person. This is why I we've got that. you on the show. It. I Devin. love it. <laughs> <laughs> you did um, you did like a snippet though of that, and when I listened to it on, on when you when you tweeted it out, I was like, who do talks like that? And <laughs> no, that's you. you <laughs> Admittedly, that was like one interview of you, Dev, that we hacked up. Uh, it's a it's All a right. special bit of music. Um, it's quite interesting you say that though, because obviously Paul Nicholson, I've commentated with him on the Euro tour for the last few years 
and he said that he said going into the commentary box which is something he'd done a little bit before but not with the regularity as when he was doing it on the euro tour it did make him look at the game a little bit differently i don't know if it was a sort of critical eye but it was almost like it's like a third person view of the game rather than being like a first person one where you're up there where sometimes little things can bypass you even when you're watching other players you can still look at things and, and think oh that's something i could learn about my own game or something i could try and keep in mind when i'm next up there that's no doubt. I mean, he's, he's knocked the hell, na uh, nail on the head there. I mean, I, I look at it now, and I and I and the mistakes these players are making. Um, even the elite players, you're looking at times to kind of impose yourself on a game. Times where if the player is running well, you kind of just sit back and wait for your opportunity. Um, timing of of and and I've used it before. The game management is is a massive thing that I've I've kind of learned over the years, but it's it's really kind of picked up when I became a commentator because you can actually see where players are lacking. Because um, we obviously go through the different stats, um, how good their finishing are, is, and when they're on a specific number, um, how good they're on that number, and and so on and so forth. So obviously, in the game itself, um, things things obviously can change very quickly. But you're kind of aware, and it puts you at ease, and and, and it just gives you a kind of game plan in a sense. Because darts is, is is a lot like boxing. I mean, you you have a game plan until you get hit, basically. And once the player turns up there and he's he's, he's better than you than you thought he was, um, then you kind of you kind of go into survival mode and and or, or play as hard as you possibly can. And if he goes up there and is not as good as you think he is, and then you're gonna absolutely just break his soul. So yeah, it gives you kind of a like you say a third person. And I think that's probably the reason why I think I see I speak about myself in the third person as well. So <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, you know, you you have to take all the credit for for your rise and the stuff that you've been playing. Uh, particularly over the last few months. I mean, it's been incredible. But it's the regular co-host of this podcast, Wayne Mardle. He's played a role in this, hasn't he? He's, he's done some coaching with you on the technical side of things. You're now hitting 180s almost as much as anybody on the tour. Is, is, that, is that a technical thing or is that a mindset? Is it confidence or is it literally you've just had to sort of rebuild things slightly and you're now better equipped to go and hit big scores? It's, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of everything that you've just mentioned so obviously when i when i went to go see wayne i was losing my tour card and at the end i kind of thought to myself well it's it's a it's a all-in kind of scenario i'm going to the worlds i'm going to need to hit the uh, check out of the last 16 if i'm going to hold on to my tour card and all of these things and, and considering the fact that i've not i played my worst year on the tour that year as well so it was uh, it was a, a massive movement and then wayne obviously accepted um, to take this rusted broken beat down car that I was and he kind of <laughs> replaced the engine and yeah just kept the body as it was and yeah he kind of cut away all the fat off my throw um, I was doing a whole host of things with my elbow with a pitch with a cell with a setup and so on and we just worked on one kind of formula and for me to work on that formula it just it was going to take time but you knew that that was the correct formula and then we went from there and then obviously the mind obviously moved with the game as well and once I got to 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 believing in my ability or the throw or the technique itself um, everything else then came on Andy um, Doc from in Scotland he assisted me from a, a game management perspective then Colin Lloyd came on board he's given me the insight of uh, a previous number world number one and just how he approached the games uh, his title winning games and so on and so forth so just a broad kind of spectrum um, and loads of people obviously throwing in their bits of experiencing and that's enhancing my game and like you say, um, 
the 180 uh, throwing. I've always been a, 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 like a strong scorer, though, uh, even when I used to play amateur in South Africa. When I came over here, I knew that I needed to play at the level, but I think that the pressure that I was under just kind of distracted me in a sense and and now I've, I've kind of found my feet after i think it's probably nine nine years on the tour i found my feet and i think that i'm, I'm ready to kind of take the next step and and become a, a title winner yeah well certainly you look like one of the the most likely next new winners on the pdc tour you're gonna have a chance as well the autumn series in germany assuming that we're all able to get there and this can all go ahead i know everything's up in the air at the moment but with the way that you played at the summer series that's got to be a a massive thing to look forward to. How are you feeling about going over to Germany? Because look, it's so difficult trying to trying to keep 128 tour card holders happy when they are all over the world. But you've seen how events are run out in Germany on mainland Europe when they're PDC events. I mean, that doesn't hold any trepidation for you in, in getting over there and doing it. Assuming we can do it all safely. Yeah, correct. I mean, everything, obviously, the external factors like government situation, government issues. I mean, coming back into the UK, which is a massive thing because my family's over here. Um, but traveling to Germany just to play the sport, I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's going to be no like business as usual. I mean, most of the world is going back to normal. I think the UK is obviously being quite quite protective about it, and, and rightfully so. I mean, they've... they've They've um, one of the world's uh, biggest economies and strongest economies, so they don't want to have that inf uh, the infection again, the coronavirus coming back, and all of those things with the second wave. So yeah, I I understand, but I think that from a from a sports perspective, we're gonna have to go back to normal at some point. And traveling to Germany, I mean, we used to go to to Europe almost every second or third weekend, like mm. um, like you would know. So I mean, the, the the quicker we get back to normal, the better. And then um, yeah, hopefully I can continue my my summer series. The thing with the summer series though I, I was obviously that's after the first break so I was quite tentative to know how I was going to play um, mm. and, and first few days was kind of like I wasn't fully committed to like how I, I felt in a sense as in well, I'm throwing really well. I, I I think that the last time I played in Barnsley, I was playing okay. I think I, I, I did okay. But when I came into the summer series, I really wanted to blast off. And, and, and I didn't do that. I, I kind of, at the end of the summer series, I hit the semifinals. And, and I expected to that to happen kind of midway through and then continue. So hopefully this time I'm well prepared and, and ready to make a few more semis or finals and maybe win, lift one of the titles. How did you feel about the World Series? I know the, the World Series finals, we're going to have the, the finals. We haven't had any World Series events. So, I mean, that's messed things up slightly. But we're still going to get a tournament on. And that's that's an important thing, I think, because people want to watch darts on the telly. But were you sort of thinking, you know what, I'm playing really well. I'm the leading player in Africa. It's a World Series finals event. I might be in with a sniff here of getting an invite. Now, you still make it through the qualifiers, but were you a little bit disappointed to miss out? Um, not really. I think I see the the World Series as an exhibition of obviously global the global talent that we have play, currently playing in the PDC. But I I, I feel as though like um, I don't know the way like the way in which it's structured and and the selection criteria and all of these things. It just it's kind of a mix and match, a, a great exhibition tour, um, tournament to have. And and I think that like the likes of of Glenn Durant was left out and then he was included because Kyle Anderson wasn't traveling. And then you got Christopher Tyski. I mean, one of the leading players in Poland, not included. You got German player like uh, Gabriel Clemens, not included. So yeah, I think um, if you look at those players that were included and and the ones that were left out, um, yeah, I think. 
think the PDC obviously have their own structures and stuff like that. So I wasn't really disappointed and uh, it doesn't look like I'm, I'm, I'm going to participate in the qualifier as well. So um, I'm going to take that as give everybody else an opportunity to kind of prep. And then I want to hit the autumn series hard because I think that um, I don't want to have that uh, the, 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 the World Series affect my autumn series. Because if you lose in the World Series event, um, opening rounds or whatever the case may be, there's no financial gain. And I think that that could have a negative impact on your brain itself and, and just the way in which you approach the next few days. So I'd rather work start from the autumn series and just focus on the autumn series so that I can um, kind of solidify myself in the Grand on the Grand Prix and then also obviously the latter stage majors and then also next year for match play, which is a massive target for myself. Yeah, that's interesting that, though. I mean, it's kind of what Matt Edgar was saying to us on the podcast last week, where he's like, I'm not going to play the qualifier because the, the Autumn Series is so important for me that I need to make sure that I'm fully prepared so I can get the most out of that because Matt is obviously a guy who's, uh, like you were doing, um, is fighting to make sure that he stays on the tour. Um, big news I do have to mention um, is the announcement in the last sort of couple of days, really, that Carl McKinstry and Vessel Nyman have been suspended from playing darts after being accused of match-fixing by the Darts Regulation Authority. They were playing in the online modus leagues uh, during lockdown. Now, Carl denies it strenuously, I'm told. So I'm going to leave his case where it is for now. That's pending a hearing. But Vessel has accepted it's happened. He's released a very contrite statement. Now, he's only a 20-year-old lad. He's a very talented young man as well. We know the kind of talent he has. There's a lot of people who've seen him play and have been involved in his development who think he's really got something. We don't know the full circumstances about this, so I'm not going to crucify him here. However, Devin, it is a huge shame for everyone involved. Two very talented players. As I say I want to focus on Vessel rather than Cole because we wait to see what happens with his case. But it's a huge shame for everyone involved. It's a huge shame for the sport, and it's a massive, massive shame for himself because he's a talented lad and we don't know what's happened exactly but it really could have a huge huge impact on his career no doubt i mean anything like that will always hang over your head whether you you've done made a mistake in the beginning i mean he's he's admitted to it and then also saying that there that there was external pressure that came from we don't know who i'm still waiting on names and kind of if he does expose them and but understand that he was under and and like you were saying he was naive he's only 20 years old uh playing probably one of living his dream by playing the sport that he loves um, and earning some money for it and I don't know what level of pressure it was if it was um, threats and so on and so forth because it can easily happen in this game itself um, and if you fall in line or, or get locked in in those kind of circles it's it's something that I don't I would never want to experience and, and I'm sure it's a dark day for him but he's a he's a promising young player as well and it, I'd Unfortunately, it happened on the Modus Tour or the, the, the Ike, that, that Modus League. But I just feel as though like he, he should have thought a lot lo longer and harder about his decision because he could potentially mess up his entire future. As I say, we'll have to wait for more details. I hope it's a silly mistake. It's one that he has accepted. He says he's going to accept his punishment, whatever that turns out to be. And hopefully at some point he can move on and actually realise his potential. But I want to ask you, have you ever been approached for anything like this? Or is this just something in your time in darts that you've just not had any experience of whatsoever? I think with uh, the, the PDP, PDPA, obviously... Um, when you get your tour card, they have this kind of seminar before you play your first event and they explain all of these things to you and yeah, the PDPA do an amazing job by kind of identifying these areas of, of, of 
problems that you may experience as a player. But for me, I've I've never really been approached in that way. And and if ever I were to be approached, it it's something that I would never look at because I understand how important it is for me to carry Africa on my back as a DAR player as well as a Sky Pundit. And then also just, just to be an example and a role model that I want to become so, or become in the sport. So, yeah, it's something that I'll definitely not look at ever. Okay, well, I've asked to speak to Vessel going through various channels. I'm hoping I'll get to do that so he can actually explain to us what's happened so we can actually understand a bit more. I think we do need to know the circumstances. But what I would say is that the bookies are very good at rooting this kind of stuff out. They did it with Gilbert Ulang at the 2017 World Championship. He got a seven-year ban from darts. It's a, it's a rarity. I mean, it's not that long ago that there was some poll doing the rounds where the British public rated darts as, as the sport with the highest integrity. This kind of stuff will leave its mark on darts. We're already seeing people you know, on social media. They'll be going, oh, well, it's all bent then, isn't it? It's all rigged. Well, it obviously isn't. And you're going to get people saying things are rigged because someone's thrown 107 average. If, if it was that easy to throw 107 averages, then this game would be a lot easier than it is. But this will leave a mark. Or what I would do is urge a little bit of caution for people because the Modus League is run by very, very capable and passionate people. There's so much darts gone on in there and they've picked out two games where they believe something's gone wrong. One, we definitely know it has because Vessel's accepted it. The other one we're waiting for. You shouldn't really throw the baby out with the bathwater, not with the Modus League or darts in general. But hopefully we get to speak to Vessel and this can be some sort of cautionary tale to other young players and we don't find ourselves in this situation again. But it is time to move on from that particularly thorny issue. We did get to speak to someone this week, not just Devon. Uh, he's small, but he's mighty. It is the Demolition Man, Darren Webster. And click the red button now for subtitles if you're listening outside of East Anglia. These are the questions that you should be asking. Darren Webster, welcome to the show. Two times a PDC ranking title winner, two times a world championship quarter finalist, and a big thing for me this is a former roommate of Andrew Goldfinger Gilding. Uh, Darren, that is, that is legendary status in the game, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. What, what was it like rooming with Goldfinger? Uh, yeah, he was all right. That was like sleeping next to Hannibal Lecter when he had his mask on. Yeah, just to explain that, because he, he, he sort of sleep apnea mask, isn't it? So he'd go to bed with this thing all plugged in, and yeah. you genuinely... There, one time you genuinely thought you might have killed him. Yeah, yeah, I just... Well, I got up and turned the electric off, didn't realise I'd turned his machine off, and he started taking gulps for air, so I had to quickly jump out of bed and put the key card back in. And then he sort of went... He sort of made a massive gulp and went, whatever was that? I went, I don't know, mate, go sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, are you a, are you a solo rumor nowadays, Darren? Are you, now you're big time. Uh, yeah, I do. But I've noticed that. Obviously, no. Um, Jeff Smith's over. We're doing a bit of rooms together. Obviously, um, when the COVID came over, we couldn't. But obviously, you know, we started the room together. Like I'd book a room, and then they'd book a room, and we'd sort of room together. So that's quite good. Yeah, you've come quite pally with Jeff, haven't you? I mean, it, it astounds me, this game, how it throws unlikely people together from all over the world. But you've become good mates with Jeff Smith. He even posted on, on social media the other day, uh, reminding everybody about a time. Was it, Had you gone to America and you'd needed some trousers? Yeah, yeah. and I went in a uh, silly shop. That was for tall people and long people. Which being, yeah. what, five foot four are you? <laughs> Something like that. Oh, Something yeah. like that. It might be generous there. Yeah, 10 yeah. minutes. 10 minutes it took you to figure out that this shop sold nothing for you. Well, that's it. Yeah, they're all about 19-foot legs. 
<laughs> Look, one of the things that everybody knows about you, Darren, is is you're always busy. You have to keep busy. You're you're working all the time. I do a load of stuff on the radio from the darts. Some of the guys from BBC Norfolk, I'll occasionally see them and go, oh, I've just, incredible, I've just saw Darren Webster just driving down the road and just saw him smashing up a wall with a hammer. I mean, you you don't stop. But where, did, where does darts fit into your life? Because you've carried on working. You're a successful builder and, and all sorts, as well as being a top dart player. Yeah, I was just, um, I've done it all my life and I just I just have to keep myself busy. Do you know what I mean? I can't be sitting at home doing nothing. That's, I just get bored. When did you think that darts could be a bigger part of your life rather than just a, a game? Because you've been around the game for a good sort of 15 years or so, the professional game. Yeah, 2002. So it's like 20, nearly, nearly 20, away. yeah. Yeah, nearly 20 years now. But, you know, I tried twice to give up and just take that darts. But both times I've seized up. I've ended up with, like you say, you know yourself. I had nine months or eight to puncture. And that was, you know, when I work, I seem to be fine. So that's why I'll just keep working. Perhaps a lot of people don't know the, the struggles you had with with the physical injuries. I mean, it was it was your sort of back and arm, wasn't it, that was causing you problems, and you genuinely weren't weren't sure whether you'd be able to carry on playing. Yeah, it's all doing my neck, top of my neck, trapped nerves in my neck and my spine. So, and then that obviously affected my arms and everything else. But yeah, but now I just I like work. <laughs> I'm not so <laughs> daft, but I just I like getting up in the morning and I'm there with my brother and. And Jack and people like that, and we have a laugh, and that you know that passes the time away during the day, and then I come home having tea, and then I'm a practice. I remember you telling me about practicing with Phil Taylor in Blackpool one year, yeah. And that was that was a that was a quite a big thing for you quite early on in your sort of professional darts career, wasn't it? Well, yeah, that was um, that was what actually made me decide to do the PDC because I met him in. Uh, a friend um, from Norwich had a hotel up there, and their daughter also had a hotel, and that's where Phil used to stay. And invited me up, and um, I gave him a game of darts, and he beat me sixteen fifteen. I hit, I hit um, six ten darts against him twice back to back. Yeah, so and that's where it all started from, really. Well, what was that like? Because back then, Phil Taylor is obviously the god of darts. You're invited up to stay at your mate's hotel. It's in Blackpool yeah. as well, which is, I mean, it's, that's basically like Zeus on top of Mount Olympus going and playing darts against Phil Taylor in, in Blackpool. Yeah. What was it like going up against him? Because you, you must have known you were good, but, I mean, until you test yourself against a power, you, you don't really know how good, do you? Well, that's right. But I just thought it was good because he also had another chat there. But what happened was he said to me that he was the next big thing. I won't mention that, but he said he was the next big thing and that. And um, I actually trunched him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, he said he tried to make the excuse up, say, oh, he, he was up early this morning at four o'clock. And then Debbie and Charlie said, well, Darren didn't bed all night, so that made it even worse. <laughs> and then that was on the that was on the Monday. He said, right, Colin, I'll give you a game. And that's when when I played him and that was like say and he just bit me and I hit quite a few tens against him. So to do that, that convinced you to give the PDC a go. But then yeah. when you do it, everybody on the tour can play brilliantly, but doing it consistently, that's the tricky thing. Yeah. That's yeah, that's just that's getting your mindset right really. That's um that's very difficult and that's very that takes a lot out of people and you're on your own all the time away and stuff like that and you've got to be really sort of self motivated with everything really and determined I think. Determination and self-motivation are two things I don't think you're lacking in, though, Darren. That's it, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I never give up on anything. 
We mentioned the physical injuries. It you talked about the mindset. It's the mental side of the game that you've been focusing on over the last over the last few years, isn't it? You believe that that's that's the difference between being a very good player, top thirty two player, and potentially being a top ten player or, or major champion. This is what's so really dark, though. But you have to, the hardest thing in darts is learn not to care, but you do care. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. You, you've got to not care about it. when you go up there. You're not got to give it, and uh, you just got to go up there, throw your darts, and not care about nothing. But obviously, you do, and that is the hardest thing I think in professional darts because if you if, if you go up there and you start thinking about it, that's when things go wrong. Because the minute you think about it, that's it. Yeah, that, that's your mind go and everything else. This is why you have to not care. You just go up there, throw your darts, and then that same. Then you you don't think about things. You just get on with it. Do you think? We saw Ronnie O'Sullivan win his, his sixth snooker world title. He yeah. seems to be doing that. He, he seems to say, "Oh well, I don't really, I don't play much. I don't really care." But he wouldn't be doing it if he if he didn't, would he? No, but that's it. But he's got his mindset that he don't care, and that's all he can do. What he do, and that's same with Phil. He used to go up there all the time, day, and he don't look like that. And you even look at Michael Van Gerwen now. Do you know what I mean? If anyone hit a nine against him or he hit a nine, don't really care. You just keep going, going, going. That's like yeah, he, he don't bother about nothing. And that's uh, that's the hardest thing to do in darts is not to care, but you do. If you, you know, it's very difficult to say that. Don't say sense, but yeah. How hard is it to have that mindset right and to play your best when? There's all sorts of other things going on in your personal life and whatever, because that's one of the things I don't think a lot of people give sports people enough credit for. They're trying to be one of the very best in the world at what they do and doing it very publicly, but they've yeah. people have no idea what's going on in their personal lives, do they? No, no. That's, this is it. I've always said it. You know, you have to you have to be mind free of everything. I mean, that's not just darts. It's not your training. That's your home life, your own mental ability you, you basically i always say this if i've had a good week or two weeks where everything's good in my personal life you go away you you don't care what you're doing and you do really well because your mind is free and you're throw, throwing freely but when you've got problems and stuff like this you know it's very difficult and that that is that's your mind that is the hardest thing to control in darts and that's where you know, I think you got thousands upon thousands of people who can throw 10, 11 dart, 9 dart legs, but to do it under pressure and, uh, and other pressures off of the hockey is, um, yeah, that's where I think is a difficult part for anybody. How have you managed to deal with it? I mean, look, you're, you're in your 50s now, you've got plenty of experience, yeah. but they, it is, it's a very difficult thing to do because, you, you know, you've had more than your fair share of things to deal with on and off the board, Darren. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, um, I don't know. <laughs> That's just in me, I think. I, I, I don't really know. Really, I've just that's my personality and everything else. I just, I'm just so determined at whatever I've done in my life. I just, I see through anything and just have to do it. How's retirement going to go then? I mean, you've already supposedly retired from work about two or three times, and that hasn't happened. I mean, you could be playing darts for ever, couldn't you, Darren? You could be, you could be older than anybody who's ever been on the PDC tour. Yeah, yeah, as long as my arms and my eyes still work and my legs all still play. That's, that's, that's like, see, my, uh, you know, like with my work now, I do that, that's my hobby, my work. And that's how I, I get through that. So now, you know, when I'm not playing darts, my job, I go and do my hobby, which is work, work. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're still just inside the top 32 at the moment. A couple of years back, you were a top 16 player. What do you think 
the, the difference has been? Is it just a little bit of luck? Is it just hitting form at the right times? I mean, presumably you think you can get back in that top 16. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Last year I had severe bet tennis over, didn't I? That's the only reason I, like, I didn't. I mean, I didn't have that bad a year, really. But, I mean, that's considering no one else would have played. I mean, it was that painful. But I just, being old school, I just get on with it. Do you know what I mean? So, um, but no, uh, the problem why I'm dropping down is quite simple, really. Um, two years ago, I had a great year. This year, the COVID's come on. I ain't been able to defend any of my money, and that's all dropped off. So, yeah. If if I haven't got the option to defend, and to be honest with you, I started playing well. I played well against Adrian Lewis at Christmas because I got my arms sorted all out and then put the effort in and the practice and uh, started to play really well again and thought, right, never mind, you know, last year we can now kick on. And then obviously because of the COVID, you know, I personally believe they should have froze the ranking system because um, if you can't defend points, you, you've got to drop a lot of stone if you had a good two years ago, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean that is true. They have they are putting tournaments on now. I mean, you must be absolutely gagging to be playing as much stuff as possible, particularly with the situation you're in. That's life, isn't it? You just have to get on with it, Dad. You know, whatever throw at you, you just have to get up and get on with it, and that is what it is. And um, you know, I know if I carry on playing, I'll get back up there because I know what you got to do to do it. Well, look, I know we've got autumn series and there's Euro tours and there's all sorts yeah. of stuff coming up. But first things first, though, fishing, isn't it? That's that's the main target for you over the next few hours because you're at the target darts fishing day that Jess Harding, your manager, puts on every year. Yeah, definitely, yeah. We just know through for the pegs. Um, Barry Earn come last. Phil Taylor come second from last. I come fourth. But we only get six starts. <laughs> me, me and Phil only get six starts, but today nine, so... But yeah, so enough just for peg selection. But no, I've been in that every year, and I, I love my fishing and, and stuff. So I am looking forward to that tomorrow. Not won it yet, though, have you, Darren? Or have you? Yeah, I won the first ever one. Oh, did he win the first one? Oh, fair uh, play. Well, my name's on that trophy, Dan. I've done you a disservice there. Although, to be fair, yeah. you know, what you tend to do, Darren, is you win something, then several years later you win it again. Or you make the world quarterfinal, and then 11 years later you make the world quarterfinal again. You don't want to wait too long before winning this fishing one again. No, no this is it. Or you, or you hit a nine dart on the stream, never blip and never shower. Uh, yeah, that was... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely yeah. did happen because I was yeah. commentating on it and yeah. then the recording just died and so nobody has ever seen it unless you saw it live. No, but definitely. There we go. Well, look, it definitely did happen. That's another nine data. Look, good luck in the fishing. Thanks for speaking to us, Darren. Always a pleasure. Okay, then. Cheers, man. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Darren Webster is an inspiration. He's been doing this nearly 20 years now, Devon. Longevity has got to be admired, hasn't it? Because we've seen plenty of players come and go in that sort of nearly 20-year spell that Darren Webster's been playing top darts. No doubt. I mean, Darren Webster still throws a mean dart and he's, he's just like a, a terrier on the, on the board as well. He's quick. He rips his darts out. He's a, quite a great character. And when you see him, you always there's always a laugh and, and just his accent as well doesn't obviously... Um, yeah, it, it matches his body as well, which is what I wanted to say. But yeah, I remember him playing against Vainan Havenga when Vainan came over oh, um, yeah. South Africa. 
yeah, he played him in the in the World Champs, and he was the one after I think it was the Manly game beat he, he beat Vayner to to knock him out in the last 16. So yeah, Darren Webster obviously at that time still had a massive quiff and and still short. So yeah, there's not uh, only a very little has changed, but yeah, he's he's been amazing. I I played him when um, I. I in the in the interview was talking about his neck and and i probably played him when he was at his worst but i was playing at my best in that game and i think i beat him i think it could have been five nil and he kind of defaulted and i averaged 110 but it's not because of i i could see that he was in pain and i think that that just gave me a bit more effort to kind of push him out yeah, anybody who's seen Darren Webster playing with the tennis elbow problems he had and the various injuries he had, you could see but he just carried on doing it. You, you can't understand him, but you can admire him. Um, aside from the physical stuff, the mental thing is is the thing that fascinates me with Darren Webster. He's said to me countless times over the last few years, look, forget about the arm and the back and the neck and everything. That that all That'll get sorted. I need to sort my head out. If I sort my head out, then I know I can beat all of these guys. And... Sometimes he backs that up. You know, he's won a couple of PDC titles, but his runs at the World Championship when he's made the quarterfinal, he was six nil up in a major semi-final against Michael Van Gerwen and only narrowly lost at the Players' Championship finals. When he's on it, he really is on it. No doubt. I mean, he's got that solid kind of pitch as well, uh, rep uh, replicatable. Um, he's 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 just a the way in which he approaches games when he's on it. I mean, you 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 can't really could drive a bus through him and he'd still be standing on the hockey solid and just throwing you know what I mean and he's, he's, he's really somebody like you said to admire and, and, and to be playing the sport at this level uh, for 20, 20 years he's like your very favourite Stephen Steve Beaton I mean it's, it's the same level you know what I mean that Donis and yeah I think I think with with in that interview as well he said about being present but not being present is, is probably the best way to kind of achieve because it relieves so much pressure i remember coming over and you're thinking about all these things is your throw right are you throwing is is this enough the scoring i need to score more because my opponent so you focus on the opponent what the opponent's doing what you need to do there's so many things running in your head as a, as a tar player and like he says if he fixes his head i mean you just need to remain focused on one thing and and yeah the one thing is winning so just, just focus on that and make sure that the next three dots is your best three dots. So he's, he's hit, hit the nail on the head there. And it's something that I, I definitely took into my game. And, and a lot of players could learn from from that little little um, nugget that he's thrown out. Um, he mentioned Andrew Gildin, or I mentioned him anyway, as a roommate. <laughs> Are you room with Cullen? Have you got any roommate tales that you're even able to tell on a podcast that could be listened to by families with children, potentially? <laughs> Um, I think the one though, like that stands out, that that's probably uh, uh, kid friendly, is the first time <laughs> we've obviously we've ever roomed together. We were our manager. He booked us. A, it was supposed to be, I think it was a twin room. We got a double. So the, remember, this is the first time myself and Joe Cullen have ever kind of like we just shook hands. I signed the deal. We kind of looked each other in the eye and said, okay, cool. We're gonna be traveling together. We got to Germany. There was a double bed, so we're gonna have to share the bed. This is the very first time. So it's. Well, Joe's a lad, and and I'm obviously similar. So we got the we got on, and then I think what broke it is is Joe was in the shower. I needed to run to the toilet, and because I had a hot pizza the night before, and Joe <laughs> easily opened the door. 
uh, let me come in. And uh, yeah, we just kind of shared a moment in the toilet while he was showering, and I was um, kind of just um, sending a fax, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that. that was that was that was my that was my one. That's my takeaway. Like I knew that from there, me and Joe will be uh, inseparable. Yeah, I mean that is that is a little insight there into life on the tour. My favorite gilding stuff. Have you heard about the Andrew Gilding hot plate? No. Oh right, Nat. This is this is actually it's somewhere between genius and potentially lethal. Right, so Andrew Goldfinger Gilding, former UK Open semi finalist, a man who has been cruelly denied on a couple of occasions PDC ranking titles by incredible displays in the finals. One year, it wasn't a particularly good year for him on the tour. He spent about, I think his bill for Just Eat for the year was about three grand, which was about a quarter of the prize money he'd won for that year. But what he'd do, he'd order two Chinese takeaways like early on at the day. So he'd order two, he'd eat one, and then the other one he would leave in the room so he could go off and play darts and then come back later and have it. But to make sure that it was still okay, what he would do, and still warm, what you do, you get a towel from the, from the bathroom in your hotel room, and you sort of like whip it around into a sort of snake, and then you yeah. sort of lay it in a sort of bow or a circle, like a one of those ribbon shapes there, so it's sort of yeah. end on end. Then you get the iron, you put the iron face up in the towel, so the towel is holding it up, and you plug the iron in and turn it on. You lay some foil on the top of that, whack the Chinese on there, you go off and play darts for several hours, you come back, voila, you've got your own hot plate, and the Chinese is ready to eat. I mean, at that, do not do this. It is horrifically dangerous and someone might die. Do not do this. Anybody listening to this, do not do it. But that is is the Andrew Gilding hot plate. You know what, right? It would not... Like he just seems like he's such an intelligent guy because he doesn't say a lot, right? And he just does the finger and yeah, and and do that to think of that. I mean, three thousand pound of of just eat that is a lot of money to be to be contributing. <laughs> he should get shares in just eat that literally. So yeah, I I think that's an amazing because always when when we were like in the room as well and you don't want to go out and you order in. Kind of, that's a that's a brilliant idea. It's something that will no, no, it's not brilliant. Right. No, Devon, you will set fire to hotels. People might actually die. Um, but look, there I'll you go, Andrew Gilding, <laughs> hot plate chat, and Big Dev on the same podcast. If you think that is sexy in itself, it's about to get a whole lot sexier. We've got our expert panels picks for the opening night of the Premier League action in Milton Keynes on Tuesday. After something I like to call the Steve Beaton porn interlude. I just turned it on. The crowd starts going, ooh, semis. You just gotta hold it now. When they're going in like that, easy. And I enjoyed it. Oh, here we go. Turned on. Absolutely brilliant. I'm very quick, and I'm, ooh. I'm not spamming my boat off too much. Whoa. I was enjoying it that much. I thought, well, why not? You know, enjoy it. I've still got the stamina. Brilliant. Turned on. And that's how I do it. I just, whoa. I just turned it on then. That's the whole point. Right, let's get on with it. Semis. Whoa. Spout me boat off. You know, enjoy it. Tonight I'm gonna to go and enjoy it again. Hopefully I'll perform as well as I have done. I just turned it on then. I can sit and watch everybody else sweat now. The legendary bronze Adonis, Steve Beaton. Right, night seven of the Premier League, Tuesday nights, Milton Keynes, finally. Live Darts is back. Uh, and you can make your selections on the PDC Picks and the Low Six apps. If you go on there right now, you can go to the Good Darts Podcast. 50 quid free contest. It, no deposit, 
know anything. It is free to play. You can just go on there with a chance to win 50 quid for making your selections from the first three nights of the Premier League at Milton Keynes. Now, Devon, um, I'm going to get your picks, not for the first three nights. Uh, we're just going to go for the opening night. Now, I've asked a few people this, so we've got a whole range of opinions. My opinion tends to differ from the other experts. That's why they're experts. That's why I'm just some idiot with a microphone. But we're going to go through the games in order, and I want to get your takes on, on how you think things will go. But I'll go through the predictions uh, for the opening game first. So, Glenn Durrant, top of the table, against world champion Peter Wright. Now, I think it's a draw. Uh, I think they're very evenly matched. I think it's got draw written all over it. Matt Edgar agrees with me. He said draw. But Little Richard Ashdown and Wayne Mardell both think that the world champion Peter Wright nicks it. What's your take? I think um, if I, if I, it depends on what Peter Wright shows up, if it's Clark Kent or if it's Superman. If mm. he comes with the specs on, I don't think he has. He doesn't, he doesn't perform really well. If he comes without the specs and he's sorted out his eyesight and all of those things, then, yeah, I'd give it to Peter Wright. But if you were to force me to, to kind of give you a result right now, I think um, I'm going to go with Peter Wright there, actually. Okay, okay. I mean, the thing is, he played in his specs at the, at the uh, summer series, didn't he? And he won the thing. Or did he play with yeah, but I think he did, yeah. It, it did, it did, yeah. And, but it's different, though. I, I commentated on his um, Jose de Souza match, I think it mm. was, yeah. Jose de Souza yeah. versus, versus Peter Wright. And I, I commentated on the match, and you could see that there was the, the, the glare completely different because of the massive lights that you have on the, on the stage. So it, it will affect him, and I think that um, him removing it, he, he, I think he checked out 144 and playing a lot like himself again, um, yeah, and, and, and Gary Anderson took time to kind of get his specs right. Barney tried specs on stage. It didn't work. Phil tried a bit of specs as well. It just didn't work. So, yeah, it's 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 not easy. I mean, obviously, um, adjusting that sight, and, and which is a, a crucial part of your game. So, yeah, it depends on which Peter Wright turns up. Well, there you go. Uh, Devin thinks the Superman Peter Wright's turned up, not the Clark Kent one. Devin, who came up with that line uh, on Sky, uh, a man who's only been doing this punditry thing for about a year, showing up all the idiots who've been doing it for longer than that, myself included, who didn't come up with a line that good. Michael Van Gerwen versus Rob Cross, a clash of world champions. It's the man who topped the league last year versus the man who probably should have topped the league last year, certainly the league format stage of it. I think Rob Cross can do this. Matt Edgar, Little Richard and Wayne all say MVG wins it probably at a canter. I think that that's, that's maybe, like, depending on... I played Michael Van Gogh and obviously myself, and, and I saw that... And you nearly won 6-0. And you nearly I lost 6-5. I, I did not want to embarrass him with a 6-0, and I made it <laughs> a lot easier than a 6-5. That is an <laughs> absolute <laughs> lie, and you know it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think that with the new change of darts, I mean, he's, he's not found his comfortable, his rhythm is off. Um, the big thing, though, that, that, that we've seen with a lot of the elite players, all of them no normally have a run-up. So their run-up starts from February where they start and they're touring and they're playing so many darts. And now everybody's kind of starting from the same point. Nobody kind of has that confidence in their form, in a sense. Um, mm. as yet and they have not played so much uh, like they've not played a lot of darts um, unless it's online darts so yeah I think I think MVG obviously um, on that side because Rob, Rob hasn't been playing he's got new darts as well he's dropped a bit of weight so there's a whole host of things and he didn't perform well against Gabriel Clemens um, in his opening match um, in the match play so yeah I think I don't know like 
just inconsistent. But when he played against, I think it was Mensah, where he threw his nine data and on mm. the summer series, he looked like he was going to come back and, and kind of show like the form or the 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 understanding that we know that Rob Cross, the world champion Rob Cross, is is actually returning. But uh, yeah, he just he kind of just withered away. So I'm going to give it to Michael Van Gerwen, but not not by massive, probably like a seven four. Yeah, I, I just I, I think they're both rather inconsistent. Obviously, Cross more so at the moment. I just got this feeling that he's still the European champion. You know, I mean, people write him off at your peril. Um, Michael Smith, Gary Anderson. Now, Gary Anderson is somebody who should never, ever, ever be written off. But I reckon Smith wins it. Little Richard reckons Smith wins it. Wayne Mardle reckons Smith wins it. And Matt Edgar was tempted by Smith, but went for a draw in the end, I think, basically, because everybody was saying Michael Smith wins it. But where do you... I've never seen somebody go and make the final of the world match play, and in the very next tournament he plays in, people are thinking, oh, I wasn't that impressed with that. I'm not sure if he's going to win. Um, I'd go for Gary Anderson, if I'm honest. Uh, he showed... After, after losing the final, I mean... Before he's he's kind of he's kind of teased with retirement issues and and kind of like saying that he'd like to leave the game now and so on and so forth. So he's got a few years left. But I think the defeat against Dmitry Van der Berg in the match play final. I mean, any winner when he gets to that last game, they show why they are, are, are obviously proven winners and he's back to back world champ. So that would have knocked him hard. And and I think that it would it'd probably just give a resurgence to his his career and his retirement thoughts would probably wither away in the in the in the past and and probably look at, at winning some more titles because he can see the opportunities there so yeah i think gary anderson will, will edge it out seven five okay a lot i mean I, I have to say i think if you're going to ask five different people to pick the result of a gary anderson game it's a surprise only one of them picks gary to be honest but i'm just not convinced with his throw whereas i do think michael smith you're kind of expecting him to go up there and be very good i do expect nathan aspinall versus Gerwin price to be very good i cannot wait to see this game I think it's too tight to call. I'm sitting on the fence and calling it a draw. Little Richard, Wayne, Matt Edgar, they all say Gerwin Price wins it. Are you giving Nathan any chance of winning this one? No doubt. Nathan is Nathan is um he's played against Gerwin Price a few times and, and taken a scalp as well and, and he's now one of those players that, that is to be feared on when played on stage. Obviously, a lot of people will be looking at the current form, the match play form, but they must understand that once you, as a player that is regularly winning on, on the pro tour and, and obviously on the big stage, a knock like that does give you some level of, of encouragement and motivation because you don't, you hate that feeling. As a winner, you hate that feeling. So I think that um, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll go with Nathan there and, and, and maybe call it 7-3. Um, Okay, okay. I mean, I, I think it could be any score. I do, I do cannot wait to see that game. Um, interesting one, the final one I'll ask you about. It is Chris Doby playing as one of the challengers or contenders this year. He's taken on Daryl Gurney. Now, Daryl is struggling near the bottom, well, at the bottom of the table at the moment, and he's going to have to have a really good two or three nights in Milton Keynes to avoid elimination on judgment night. I think he can win this game against Dobie, although I have flip-flopped between the pair of them back and forth over the last few weeks. Little Richard, Wayne and Edgar have all gone Chris Dobie, and there's no doubt that he's an incredible player and a rising star in this game, Chris Dobie, but Daryl Gurney, two-time major champion, and I just think at some point he starts playing well. 
he has been playing well in the summer series. I, I played against him and he beat me. Um, and I think he averaged like 106. I think I averaged mm. 107 or it's vice versa. But his checkouts was was phenomenal. I mean, his ton plus checkouts. I think he had four ton plus checkouts, which was which was fantastic and a crucial point. So it shows you that Dalgurney. I mean, in the opening opening rounds. I mean, like I think it was in the. Um, it could have been in the. In the Darren Webster um, interview, he, he mentioned about what's happening at home. You don't know what, how it's affecting you on the pitch. And, and people mm. just look at you and say, he's not playing well. He's not in form. He's blah, blah, blah. And there could be so much things happening behind the scenes. And, and I think for D- Darrell and the way in which he played in the summer series, I think that um, I would, I'd, I'd definitely, it will be a tight game. I think um, I'll, I'll go for a draw on that one because Chris Dobie is also playing very well. He's, he's one of those rising talents, like you said. And, and yeah, I think he's he's really up for it. But Darrell Gurn is, is is not is he might be like lost on on the on the on the Premier League um, league, but it doesn't really warrant his, his his performances now of of recent of recent time. And and I think that even against Vincent Van der Voort when Vincent knocked him out in the match play, he didn't play bad. Vincent just hit everything, and at crucial times, Vincent was really good. And and I think that Dell will learn from that. So so I think that there's there's yeah, it's it's, it's kind of up and down. And I'll I'll probably go for a draw on that game. Okay, well, look, you can join in as well if you're listening. Uh, go to the PDC Picks app or the Low Six app. As I say, there's a free to enter uh, game. Look for the Good Darts podcast game. Uh, free to enter, 50 quid prize to the winner, picking uh, the first three nights of action results. Uh, Devin Wright, I'm going to be Milton Keynes. I will see you there, I'm guessing. What's the plan till then? Is it just ha- hammering the practice board or are you doing? have you got another some ridiculous sideline business that you're working on? Yeah, so um, back to exhibitions as well. So we're doing oh, the, okay. the, 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 yeah, so I, I'm I'm starting with, just before the night I come down to uh, Milton Keynes, I'm doing an exhibition just to test it out, see what it's like to do it within the, the areas, like the, 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 the spacing and all of those things, and, mm-hmm. and just check it out. So yeah, that's up and until then, the, but I'm It's not I'm the topless working. darts with yellow Larson exhibition that you were planning before all this happened and it got canned. Yeah. Not yet. So that's probably going to move to 2021 and then I can actually do a topless because I think lockdown, obviously, um, yeah, it, it definitely, um, it added a bit of, of meat <laughs> on the bone, basically. Oh, I'm mate, don't even that. talk to me about that. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not even sure I'm going to fit through the door in Milton Keynes. So, oh, never mind. Um, look, yeah, Dev, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for helping us out on the podcast. Uh, we will be back on the opening night of Premier League action when the elusive and mysterious Wayne Mardle will return. I'll be in the same building as him so I can physically grab him or not depending on what the COVID rules are because at the minute we just don't know we're hoping to do little mini podcasts every day from Milton Keynes though making our selections for each night but the main podcast will be back next Thursday as usual you can come and get involved with the picks and the Premier League on the low six and PDC picks apps uh, remember you have to be at least 18 years old and resident in the UK terms and conditions apply and for the love of God please gamble responsibly or if you don't I'll come around your house and I'll put lipstick on your dog and I'll make it walk around saying oh I'm a lady and nobody wants that remember if you or a friend have problems with gambling please seek help immediately and visit begamblerware.org